0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. If you would stand with me, we'll turn to the Song of Solomon, chapter number two, and uh, read a few verses of scripture there. Uh, today, hallelujah, don't forget this evening at six, six o'clock service men at seven, prayer uh, in the back. Uh, be probably I said seven didn't I? at five, prayer, pray without ceasing. And so start at five and just continue. <clears throat> Amen. Then there'll probably be some yeah, there might be somebody go just leave service at seven and go back there, pray. you never know. <clears throat> if so, that's probably about the time I'll start preaching, so you need to pray hard. <laughs> Amen. there are some places that that happens. There's someone that's praying in a prayer room while the pastor's preaching. There's churches like that. They have somebody praying while the pastor's preaching uh, to make sure that that word finds its lodging spot and sealed in their hearts. Uh, so uh, I, I, I'm not starting that round here yet uh, because of the group of people. I, I need everybody I can right out here in the audience. And so uh, maybe sometime in the future we could maybe get to that stage. Song of Solomon, chapter number two. Song Song, chapter number two. If you're off this coming week and you just get a hankering uh, to want to be in another service, Indianapolis isn't that far away. If you've ever wondered, what do those young people go to? If you've ever wanted to know, it's really not that all that far away. If you have a day or something off, you want to run up there for a morning or evening service to see what exactly they're all crazed about, uh, you could go up there and experience it for yourself. Amen. All right. Song Psalm, Psalm chapter two, verse 16. Seriously, I'm starting this time. It says, my beloved is mine and i am his he feedeth among the lilies until the day break and the shadows flee away turn my beloved and be thou like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of ether amen this is in continuation i'm calling this marriage matters part five because my part four got divided unintentionally all right so if you're going to order that i've already changed it on the podcast it's for a and for b this is this helps keep me straight all right this is marriage matters part 5 for me alright and we're just continuing a little bit where we left off can we pray today that God would help us again Lord we come to you today uh, we're grateful Lord for another opportunity and God I so oft times Lord begin a prayer like that because I truly esteem every time I can be in the house of the Lord an opportunity and a great privilege and I pray oh Lord today God I wish and pray Lord that your people would see it the same as a grand opportunity and privilege to be in your house God we come again Lord there's times we come in here and we learn of spirit spiritual matters we learned of things God for our mental and emotional side there's times that Lord along the physical areas of life practical things and so Lord we focus our attention again Lord upon our homes our marriages and I pray oh God that you would help us today help us Lord individually Lord Jesus family by family and the church as a whole I know Lord God if we do it Lord at this level Lord it will do it on Lord Jesus the bigger level God that we all make up in our part of this church in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. Continue to remember Bishop and uh, his wife tonight. They will be ministering out and abroad in God, so that the Lord would just have His way, and that's just an extension and the arm of this church uh, ministering the word of the Lord. And so we pray that God's just will would be done with them. If we can just come to a stage I'm continuing from, we were kind of on verse number 15 of this chapter for a couple of weeks and they were spread about eight weeks apart. And uh, we were dealing with some conflict and problems and communication, how to communicate through problems, some uh, just real practical things, some things to avoid and some things to do. You know, sometimes it's not just tell me what not to do, but tell me what to do. You know, And so uh, that was the scenario. And verse number 16 follows up that time that they have uh, reviewed each other's life and they have come to find that there are some problems and they address those problems. They work through those problems, the Shulamite and, and Solomon. And in this reflection, uh, she she seems to be speaking in verse number 16 and she says, my, my beloved is mine and I am his. And what is so vitally to me important about that is after they've worked through the problems, after they've come to head that, you know, he wasn't perfect, she wasn't perfect, and they had some problems they were going to have to deal with, by her own admission, after going through that, that rocky spot, you might call it, she still proclaims and says, he is mine. And she assumes then that likewise she is his. They dealt with the, the foxes, the little foxes that spoiled the vine that, that could have been a great threat, a, good, a great threat to the relationship, a great threat to their marriage, but she's still convinced that in spite of my imperfections, he accepts me. And in spite of his imperfections, I accept him. And that is really only truly how we can accept each other in a marriage. And that is to accept each other along with our nuances and our imperfections. Because, as Bishop times says, if you feel back there, don't feel any wings yet. You've heard him say it. Don't feel any wings yet. Not yet entered into that realm of perfection. And it continues to say that he feedeth among the lilies. And what's going on here, her attention again is turned toward the idea of him being king, of him being a king and a ruler. And she's using some shepherd terminology and shepherd language uh, to illustrate him being a king and a shepherd. He has some duties. He has some responsibilities as a result of being king. He is shepherding uh, the people of Israel as sheep, if you will. And so he's a man of responsibilities, and as a result of having responsibilities with every one of us, sometimes those responsibilities pull us away uh, from our spouse or our loved one, our home, our family, our marriage. I understand, undoubtedly, we have the responsibility, we must arise, we must work uh, every day for whatever that may be for the men, and a lot of times in today's society, for ladies, we must work and give our attention to that, and make a living, if you will, for our families, But whenever you remember that in the verses prior to this, that she was reflecting on a time when her beloved, and I think it's important to realize, the Bible spoke that he came to her, remember leaping on the mountains and skipping on the hills, showing forth his excitement to see her. He came to her and he was paying her a visit although that visit was about a 70-mile journey. Remember us talking about that? That visit was about a 70-mile journey, just one way, so 140 miles round trip. And in order to do that, he was still king and ruler at that time, and so he probably had to uh, detach himself for a day from some of the responsibilities uh, to give and to pay some attention to the Shulamite. He came to her. Amen. And she noted that, that he came to her leaping upon the mountains. And so we understand that they're committed to one another. Amen. Because she said, he is mine and I am his. They're committed to one another, even after some hardships and rocky points. But then in the very next breath, he feedeth among the lilies. She seems to be concerned just a little bit about the devotion that each one of them are going to have one to the other after they are married. A little concerned about the devotion. In other words, am I still going to be just as special in his or her eyes after marriage as I was before marriage? Before marriage, he came leaping on the hills and skipping on the mountains to see me. He went great distance, spent some money, and even detached himself from some things that were vying for his attention to see me is that still going to take place after we're married? Am I still going to be special enough that he or she, we can? I I, I hope that you do that with the Song of Solomon because uh, it's for the most part probably written from her perspective, but he or she, are, are they still going to be able to set aside other things in order to make room for me in their life? I believe you could probably dare say, and I can reflect back, man, you, you were willing to lay things aside, certain things aside in order to spend time, have a special evening, uh, whatever it was, you know, with that to-be spouse before you got married. As a matter of fact, uh, probably even an overcorrection factor on that, you'd probably try to spend every waking hour that you could if you didn't have 350 miles between you with each other, It was just a common thing. And the thing is, is, is after marriage, and of course, does, does that fade away? Yes. It does. We allow it to. We allow it to fade away. Are you still willing to take some time, spend some money, go the distance, whatever, uh, for that man or that woman in your life after marriage? So Solomon's a ruler. He's a busy man with a lot of responsibilities and at this, uh, will he have the same type of commitment will he have the same type of devotion uh, to her after marriage as he did before marriage or is he just going to have the seize and conquer mentality got my prize hang it on the wall it looks nice over there uh it's there whenever i want it there whenever i need it outside of that well it's just good to sit there or or does he have that type of mentality that the game's not over It's a lifetime game, and I'm still going to constantly in my life after marriage be trying to seize and conquer uh, her affection and her love and and her adoration or his adoration and his, his love and affection. Do I have a reason for that? Some people believe they don't have a reason to do that anymore. We're married. What's the purpose of going out on a special night evening? We're married. Like that's the cure then to all everything that you did prior to marriage. What's the use of holding a hand? What's the use of every once in a while opening the door? We're married. It's like it's like the it's like the eternal period for the sentence. I guess you know it's finished. Yeah. It's over. I don't have to do that anymore. You know, I don't know what that is, but you know there is still a reason. There is still a reason because in order to stay married, you might need to still do some of these yeah. things. Uh, to to try to sidestep some of the uh, upheaval that could happen within a marriage, you you know, you might still want to do some of those things. Because I would dare to say that even some of the upheaval that happens in the marriage may stem back to some of those things being undone that was done before you got married. Amen. So we still need to consider those things. And she goes on in verse 17, she says, Until the day break and the shadows flee away, turn my beloved. Now this is just real practical, folks. She's saying, I know night's going to pass. Night's going to pass. A new day's going to dawn. You're going to have to go to work. All right? I know night's going to pass, days, you know, and you're going to have to go to work. You're a king, you're a ruler, you have responsibilities. But until the daybreak, that's what's great. Until the daybreak. And the shadows flee away. Look what she's saying. Turn, my beloved. What she's saying. She's saying, pay attention to me. I know you got to work tomorrow and the next day, but whenever you come home from work and you're at home, be at home. Amen. I know you must attend to the affairs of your kingdom and the duties that necessitate your position of being a ruler, but whenever you're finished with work for the day, then leave work at work and come home. And turn to me. Turn away from that and turn to me and pay attention to me. Really be at home. Because it happens, male and females alike. Again, in the society that we live, a lot of times male and female work, that it's very easy to come home and not be at home. To be physically there, but emotionally detached. Mm -hmm. To be at home, but your mind still be working out the details of something at work. Or already feeling the burden and the stress of what tomorrow is holding for you at work, and then in doing so, we're interacting with our spouses on the surface level, but that's the extent of it. And they know when something's genuine or not. Right. So whenever we come home, we got to really be at home—not just physically there, but emotionally there. Got to be able to connect. I used to whenever uh, I worked in Evansville, they say, "Man, you got an hour commute." I love that hour commute for my trip home. Because on my trip home, that hour commute was nothing but a time for me to decompress, de-stress, lay everything from that day aside. And so whenever I walked in the door, man, I've already thought through all of this stuff. You know, I've already contended with it all in my mind. When I walked through the door, it was there. Now i got to drive around Mount Carmel for an hour before, you
1: know.
0: I'm serious. You ask my wife. This, this Case in point, this last week, or, or the week before last it was, and, and we went away for our anniversary, and we were gone for five days, and uh, we, as we were traveling down uh, to, to uh, Tennessee, uh, we, it was just kind of like old times. We didn't hold no great conversation. She read a book, and I thought. That's the way life used to be. She would read, and I would think. And so she was reading and I was thinking. And as I was thinking, you know, I was thinking about everything here. But what was I doing? I was decompressing on my way. Six hours, seven hours to do it. But I was de- de- decompressing on my trip away. And she, by her own admission, she says, you, that's the most relaxed I've seen you in a long time. But the moment we got home, seriously, the moment we got home, I felt the burden and the pressure of Sunday morning and Sunday night coming upon me. And every one of your problems that I knew you had started coming back. up Seriously. Because, I mean, and then it's only proper, really it is. I understand because the high priest took the stones that was upon his breastplate and upon his shoulders. That was the names of the tribes of the children of Israel. And whenever he went to the presence of the Lord, he bore them before God. So I, I think it's just typical for a pastor to bear the needs of his congregation not just on his heart but on his shoulder. And so that just happens. But you know what? Still, as a pastor, as an individual, I got to disconnect. I, got to, I know it's 24-7, You know, 24 seven we get calls, you know. But I still got to disconnect. And whenever I'm home, I got to really be home. I got to really be home and give some attention to my wife. And, and I know this is kind of husband and wife right now, but to my children. And you do as well. You got to give that attention to your wife and your children. You know, because and I didn't marry my job. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't marry my hobby. I didn't marry any material good in my life. I married my spouse. I married my wife. That's who I married. And, and you know what the, you know, the big wow moment really is this. Whenever life is finished, whenever life is finished and, and you're needing someone there to care for you and be there as you exit this earth, It's not going to be your job that's standing there. It's not going to be your material goods that are standing there. It's not going to be the hobby that you invested your time in. It's going to be your
1: spouse.
0: Your spouse that's going to be right there beside you if they they haven't preceded you in death we got to give attention we got to give attention and I know and I'm just saying this because I know sometimes what we say here goes beyond these four walls and I'm not talking about by voices but CDs podcasts so on and so forth if I can just for the purpose any pastor that would ever listen to this you know pastors uh, uh, more importantly must, must concentrate on giving attention to their families and not give more attention to the church than they do to their families because listen the church is Jesus' bride, not my bride. The church is Jesus' bride, not bride. This lady right over here, that's my bride. Listen, and, and this is neither here nor there. I may, not, I may not always pastor this church, but she'll always be my wife. Whatever happens, she's going to be the eternal wife that I have till the day, till death do us part. So need not get the two confused all right be going on this morning look 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 what she look what she says in that verse 17 she says she's admonishing him admonishing solomon and here's the vast difference before he came to me he came on the mountains and the hills leaping and skipping now rather than just him coming she's admonishing him before he was, he was like the young heart. He was like the roe, but now she's admonishing him, be thou like. Look at this. Shilamite is now admonishing him, be thou like a roe or a young heart. She's envisioning herself where he once came, now having to coax a little bit. And again, please, whenever I'm saying he or she reverse it okay whoever you are male or female just reverse it to fit your bill all right but but now she's having to coax him a little bit honey could you just be a little bit like what you once were before we got married because before if you remember if you have your bibles open the song of solomon song of solomon chapter 2 and verse 8 here it is again she said the voice of my beloved behold he cometh Uh, leaping up on the mountain, skipping up on the hills. Verse 8, my beloved is like. She didn't say be like, please be like. She says he's like a roe or a young heart. He's like that. But now she's saying be thou like that. Be thou like that. I want to see that excitement of that young deer, the young roe or stag. Be like that young, uh, vigorous, excited deer was before. Folks, please do not take him or her for granted. Don't take each other for granted. You know, there's things even that happen in our lives sometimes that arise, difficulty with health, other situations, maybe diagnoses that are made that really put the focus on the idea about whether or not we've been taking our spouse for granted because we reflect upon that, don't we, during moments of that. We start to think, what would we do without them? What would we do if they were not here? And so we realize whether we're not to take it for granted. He, he, she says, It's a young heart upon the mountains of Beether. Now, you can do all the searching you want to do uh, on a map uh, through geography to try to find the mountains of Beether, and you will not find them. Because the mountains of Beether are not a literal mountain range. Beether in the Hebrew means separation. It's Hebrew root means divide. And notice, she's not calling them hills, she's calling them mountains. That's usually something a little bit larger. You know, when you're talking about a mountain, you're talking about something big. So she's not talking about a hill, small, she's talking about something big. A mountain. She says, come over the mountains of separation across those things that divide us. Uh Uh-huh. She said, because there's things in our life, our home, in our marriage, that they they pose themselves as mountains of separation that keep you and I apart from things that are meaningful for us. That divide, keep us apart. Honey, we need to cross over those mountains of separation. Cross over those mountains of division. And we need to give some attention to one another. In other words, honey, don't let anything divide us. Honey, don't let anything... Separate us. And I know those things arise here and there that cause division and separation, but don't let them become mountains. Amen? You know, sometimes they're a fissure in the, in the rock, but don't let them escalate and, and come to a degree that, man, now we're looking at something that's going to have quite a bit. This going to take a lot of energy, uh, a, a, a lot of effort now to cross over. Whereas maybe in its beginning we could have stepped over. Now we're going to have to do some climbing but take some blood and sweat and tears in order to come to amends across the things of separation. Sister McGee.
2: Those things are important, and it's still important to remember those. If you remember back whenever we had the study that Bishop did and we watched the Fireproof movie, you know, in that movie, he went back and he was doing the love there. He was beginning to do things each day to relate to his spouse how much he loved her and how much he cared for her, and dare to say he was going back and doing some things that he probably did when they were dating, sending her To make your spouse
0: feel special and important to you. <clears throat> Song of Solomon 3, verses 1 through 4, if I may read this morning. She says, By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets, and in the broad ways I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me to whom I said, Saw ye whom he Saw ye him whom my soul loveth. It was but a little that I passed from them. But I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him, it would not let him go, until I had brought him into my mother's house, into the chamber of her that conceived me. Here in chapter number three, this again is almost seemingly a reflection. It's almost as though she is She is dreaming. She doesn't uh, appear to be a literal occurrence but something that she is dreaming about by night upon her bed. And uh, it's really just a little continuation of what she has already been dealing with in the closing of chapter number two. In this dream, and probably to her it was a nightmare, uh, but to this dream, uh, uh, she was married, and this is an important statement, in this dream, in this dream that she was having in her life, she was married to him but she didn't have access to him in this dream they had said the vows and said where you go I go where you lodge I lodge and so on and so forth they had committed their love themselves unto one another they were married but she did not have access to him because and that's somewhat frustrating to understand because the marital covenant would open up then full access, if you will, emotionally and physically to your spouse. And we understand that her strong love for him because in the few verses that I read to you, verses 1 through 4, how many times do you see that phrase, whom my soul loveth? several times I don't remember you could ca- count them I think they might even be in each verse but she's constantly talking about whom her soul loves or whom my soul loves she's searching for him she's searching for him among the city among the streets uh, the broadways the Bible says she even asked the watchman do you know uh, where this person is whom my soul loves and notice how relieved she is man it's like taking a burden off her shoulders how relieved she is to find him and look what she does whenever she Pardon me. And look what she does whenever she finds him. She holds him and does not let him go. And you know what? I dare to say sometimes we look through our eyes and we may think that that other one's asking for the moon, but they're not. You know what it is? Sometimes they're just wanting someone to hold them and not let them go for a while. You don't have to lasso the moon. Don't don't. You don't have to have all these different fineries, and you don't. No, just what is it? What is it that people vie for? Not necessarily things, but just being there, being there, being with each other. And so she holds him. She does not let him go until there's that word again. Until the place, the safest place, it was that Shulamite knew was in her mother's house, his mother-in-law. Who in the world knew, right? No offense to the (laughs) mother-in-laws. Who in the world knew? But she would not let him go until she got him there, thinking perhaps that nobody will bother us here because, as the custom was in that day, another man was not to enter a woman's tent or another lady's, another man's wife's tent. Was not to enter there. That was a very sacred, a very, very confined place. So she probably thought, if I can get him to my mama's tent, my mama's chamber, then we'll be safe here. If I could say it like this, I won't have to worry about him being distracted by anything. If I can get him to mama's tent. So this coming week, you're going to take a trip to your mother-in-law's house, guys. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody's already sweating over that one. But here, here's some questions. Here's a question to ask yourself. We've asked it already a few times through this this morning. How much time did you spend together before you were married? How much time do you spend together now? Pointers for us, particularly if you got... The dynamics of a family beyond just two spend time together, but spend the time together sometimes when it's just the two of you. you know? Yeah, there's times to spend times just with your kids and just totally as a family, but there also must be times that you just spend together just the two of you.: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> And when alone, like she's already hit on it. See, she know where I go, going, didn't have my notes. When you're alone, you've got to give that undivided, undivided, undivided attention. Share your heart with your spouse. Tell them your concerns. Amen. Even, and it, this may seem, this may say, well, there's that's no big deal of that. Man, share them your concerns, even work concerns. Each of you work. Share some work concerns. If it's not confidential, of course, if you're not breaking any of the uh, laws of where you work. But, uh, even if it's not confidential, let your spouse weigh in on those things. Amen. Because it's going to show how much you value them and that their, their opinion matters. And constantly confirm your loyalty and your faithfulness to your spouse. Tell them how loyal you are, how faithful you are, how you love them. You're going to be with them, so on and so forth. And let me tell you, whenever that really, really matters and really, really counts, it's whenever you're going through some of the very darkest moments of your life together. You reaffirm to them, hey, I'm going to be here. I know it's bad right now, but whenever the dust is settled, I'm still going to be here. Reaffirm to them. Reaffirm to them your faithfulness to them.
2: Right. the bad, and always focus on the things that they have maybe messed up or done wrong. Your commitment shows the most whenever you're willing to offer forgiveness when the other's done wrong and go forward as if it's never happened. I know some ways, in some areas, you can't just forget. I mean, we're human. We remember things. But if you're willing to let it go and not bring it up and not— focus on it or dwell on it, that truly will show your commitment to your spouse and that you are loyal to them and that they can trust you. Especially whenever as spouses, when we do open up to each other and we're very vulnerable and we share things from our heart that maybe we've never shared with anyone else, if you hold their trust and you keep that between you two, that again shows loyalty, that again shows faithfulness, that again shows respect when you're keeping that confidence among the two of you.
0: Amen. If I could just turn a corner here this morning Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse number 2 Turn a corner here today Because uh, the Shulamite and Solomon had been married And they have not yet consummated that marriage uh, In the marriage bed And so whenever we read Song of Solomon 1 and verse number 2 uh, We're looking at the, the, the anxiousness, if you will, of a new bride She says in verse 2 Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth For thy love is better than wine Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. So here she is. They have have just been married. They have not consummated that marriage. And she shares her thought as a new bride, as a bride would. And and again, I am staying within, folks, listen, I am staying within the laws of Scripture here today. She is looking forward to physical intimacy with her spouse. There's nothing wrong with that. I hope that's encouraged within your home. She's looking for it, and everybody, I feel already, tension just rising. You had to go there. Let me, let me cut to the chase real quick on this, okay, just for a matter. You say, well, Brother McGee, I can't believe you're talking about something like this. That's taboo. This is the church, bless God. Let me tell you something. I'm going to cut to the chase real hard on this because the society that we live in are talking about it when they wake up, when they go to sleep, through the media, television, everywhere, everything. And if we are going to have the right perspective that should be had on this subject matter, it needs to be talked about in the church. It was talked about in the Bible. Let let me get on a soapbox, a side note. We want to talk to our kids. We better start talking to them now because they're being exposed to it at 9, 10, 11, 12. They're hearing it from buddies at school, so on and so forth. Oh, you don't want to do that talk. You better talk to your kids because they're going to get a wrong idea. Misinformed from the world. We need to talk about it in our homes, in the church. Yes, yes, yes. He did it in his book for a reason. You better talk about it. So everybody that's clamming up about taboo, I know years ago it was a taboo idea to talk about sex and love and physical intimacy and all that. We better talk about it or it's going to go awry in our marriages and in our children's lives. We can't, we can't allow society to do our talking for us because they're not going to talk about it the way we talk about it. Glory. Okay, I feel better about that now. So here is a bride that's looking forward to physical intimacy right. with her groom. Right. Now her husband, her husband. And she's pretty, she's, I mean, she's just kind of pretty forward. I want him to kiss me. Right. Yep. Amen. And it's not just a kiss, kisses. Yeah. I want him to kiss me. Smother me in kiss, kisses, if you will. There was a Bible scholar, Nee, he said this. And I think this kind of under, undergirds the importance of this. He said, no one can kiss two persons at the same time. So this is a matter of personal significance. Amen. She says, his love is better than wine. Yep. Wine usually brought out associated with a celebration, a time of celebrating. She said, his love is better than wine. And wine, for that matter, she said, what is wine? It's, it's, it's somewhat intoxicating. Uh-huh, somewhat intoxicating. She's saying, his love is more intoxicating, could I say? His love is more intoxicating than that. For that matter, the effects of the intoxication of wine are temporal. But his love's better than that. It's not just going to be temporal. It should be, at least from what we just went through, everlasting. 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 say this, biblical love within the confines and the covenant of a marriage should be more intoxicating. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter number 5, verse number 18. The verses I'm about ready to read just denotes one thing. (laughs) I don't know if anybody's ever said this, but physical intimacy is for more than just procreation, just having children. Scripture plainly tells us it is for enjoyment. Yeah, no one's saying amen on that, are they? <laughs> right. Right. But seriously. Yep. Right. You, you, you tell me the last couple. You tell me the last couple. I've never met with a couple. I'll tell you what, Brother McGee, we only have physical intimacy to have offspring. Baloney. The Bible even tells me differently. Proverbs chapter number 5, verse number 18. The Bible says, Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. This is pretty forward. Listen, folks, you don't have to. This is not allegorical. This is not something standing for something else. This is what it is. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breasts satisfy thee all at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. You know what he's talking about in the context of this Proverbs chapter number five, because he goes on to say and say, then why would you embrace the bosom of a strange woman whenever you have a wife? If you're going to find pleasure and enjoyment somewhere, God sets something up called a marriage. And in the constant yeah, in the context of that marriage with that one man and that woman, you can find enjoyment. You don't have to go anywhere else. Amen. In Deuteronomy 24 and verse 5, he says, When a man hath taken a new wife, and he shall not go out to war. So if he's taken a wife, he didn't go to war. He's trying at this new marital episode, they're keeping the division heels down low. Right, right. He shall not go to war, neither shall he be charged with any business. He's not, going to, he's not going to be diverted or distracted right after he's got this new wife. But he shall be free at home one year. I wish they still had that in place whenever I got married. He shall be free, especially when you think about that first year. Some of the things you encounter in that first year, could you imagine if you didn't have to worry about anything else but just focus? Huh? Yep. seriously okay anyway but, but, but he shall be free at home one year and look at the terminology and shall cheer up his wife <laughs> uh huh which he have taken I don't think they're just talking about having a lamb's leg at dinner Yeah, that's right. alright or going over and seeing the deserts of whatever <laughs> no he shall cheer up give happiness to his new wife should devote his attention concretely there with that in mind this morning, if you will, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, verses 1 through 5, if I may read to you today. The Bible says, now, Paul speaking, he says, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. So he's, he's, he's answering some questions that have been given. You already see that, don't you? He said, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me. <clears throat> he says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Before I go on something just came back in my head that I wanted to share listen I, I hope you all do this I hope you pray for your marriage I hope collectively you pray for my marriage seriously and here's the reason why just read an article here over the past week this is a secular pastor but John Piper had relayed the story he was he wasn't but one of the members in his church was on an airplane listen to me one of the members in his church was on an airplane. There was a gentleman sitting beside him. It came meal time, and they brought out the meals, and that person beside him said, no, thank you. I didn't want a meal. So you know how we are. you might I wonder why they're not eating. <laughs> so he asked that guy. He said, why aren't, why aren't you eating? And this guy said, he said, I'm praying and fasting to Satan. Listen to me right now. That member that, member that was in John Piper's church says, what are you praying and fasting to Satan about? He says, I'm praying and fasting for the destruction of ministers' marriages in America. Let me tell you something. If there's a satanic worshiper, one that we know of at least somewhere, that's praying and fasting for the destruction of ministers' marriages, we better have some apostolics that's praying and fasting for... Amen. Okay, so that that just came back to my mind. I haven't read that. 1 Corinthians 7, 1. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Now we can back up before marriage vows were ever made, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Why don't we, we don't have our youth out here, but there's a reason for that. Because for a man to touch a woman anywhere is automatically inciting some things inside of that man. Mm-hmm. Now, seriously. I don't we pawn it off and we say, well, we'll draw out lines of where we can and cannot touch and all that. I, man, whenever I, before I was married, hold my wife's hand it's like, whew. <sighs> hmm. Come on. <laughs> and he says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Yeah. Amen. And every woman her own husband. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this, this is okay. This is not okay if, if you're going to be sexually impured Then everybody get married, all right? But what it is conveying to you and I that sexual intimacy in the covenant marriage is a good deterrent to sexual immorality. Yeah. Right. All right? good to turn to sexual immorality amen because we do we do have our own tendencies of immorality so he says therefore each should have their own spouse in verse number three he says let the husband render unto the wife do benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husbands in other words we have our duties as spouses to our husband or to our wife the word render The word render in the Greek means, listen very closely, that the husband render and the wife render. The word render means to give away for one's own profit what is one's own. To give away for one's own profit what is one's own. And the word is used in such a setting in a tense that it means we must do it as a habitual duty. Continuously. Continuously. In other words, we are in debt to each other And we must regularly pay up. We're not just talking about emotionally, we're talking about physically. We are indebted to each other, and we must regularly pay up. Amen. Amen. Verse 4, the Bible says, The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. Likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. It says the wife has no authority over her body. The husband doesn't have any authority over his and vice versa. The husband has power over the wife's body and the wife has power over the husband's body. Whenever you get married, you gain a spouse, but you lose the right to your own body. In other words, you place the other person's desires and needs above your own. And if you both do that, needs will be met on both sides sides and here is then is the caution in verse 5 concerning that he says defraud ye not one the other except it be with consent for a time that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that satan tempt you not for your incontinency don't deprive one another of physical intimacy Amen. Don't deprive one another of physical intimacy. I, you know, throw the headache card out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I understand there are times you can speak among yourselves. You know, if you've been sick or if you're tired, so on and so forth, and you can come to agreement. Okay, honey, yes, dear, so on and so forth. But just to regularly withdraw and regularly just disengage from that type of activity, let me tell you, number one, you're opening yourself to an attack of Satan. Mm-hmm. I learned from the scripture here in, 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 in Corinthians that physical intimacy then by Bible by Bible terminology should happen regularly. Am I wrong, Bishop? Should happen regularly. And if you refrain for a time which is temporary, let it be for prayer and fasting. Amen. Some devotion to God, but let that be with consent you got to agree upon that mutual consent so if you're not concentrating on each other let it be because you're trying to concentrate more intently on God but let that be with consent right. case in point you, 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 everybody's kind of in the mud so uh, I'll share from my life whenever we evangelized we were coming we came home one time we were home for a little interim of time and I really felt like brother Terry that God was calling me to a three day fast just boom Cold turkey, three-day fast, no food, just water. Go. And so I told my wife, I said, "Honey, I said God called me to a three-day fast. I said, and end of that we're going to abstain away from physical intimacy." Honey, she blew the First Corinthians seven card on me right away. Did she she did. I did. She did. I don't remember that. Oh, she did. She don't remember. <laughs> she did the First Corinthians seven card on me right away. She even talked with Bishop about it. Seriously. And she said, honey, she said, this can't be the case unless this is by consent. Well, what do you do when they get toting the 25-pound family Bible around with 1 Corinthians 7 in it? I said, well, you're exactly right. I fasted my three days. But concerning the physical intimacy side, which I can't remember this, time, this long removed, I don't know if it didn't, didn't take place. But it the,
2: happened, if I remember right. We just, I wasn't happy about it. Right.
0: <laughs> Well, <laughs> mutual consent. But she had the word for it. She had the word for it. But, and we laughed about, but the, the real scenario of all this is this, because you open yourself up for attack of the enemy. You open yourself for an attack of immorality taking place within your home and your marriage. Amen. Immorality, be able to seep in. It says, oh, well, I'm stronger than that. Well, bless God, I'm glad you did, but he wrote that in there for some of us, I guess. Amen. Amen. Because whenever the act of intimacy happens within your marriage in a physical realm, it's more than just physical. It's emotional, too. Uh-huh. And
2: speaking from the wife's perspective, you know, if the wife is always defrauding or depriving her husband of that, and as the Scripture already is talking about, about them, you know, abstaining from morality, but in the day and age we live, a mm-hmm. man doesn't have to go out and find another woman Make it to convenient. be immoral. Because... In the day and age we live with Internet and everything else, they can have access to just about anything they want. So if you're depriving your husband, you're like, well, it's all fine. You know, he doesn't care. He you know, goes to work and comes home and blah, 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 But you need to be careful because by doing that, you're becoming a stumbling block to your spouse and tempting them through that to engage in something that you don't want them to, whether it be pornography or online videos or photos or whatever. They don't have to go down to the local station, gas station and pick up a magazine anymore. They can get it on their phone, they can get it on their computer. So even more so now, you need to make sure that part of your marriage is healthy, very healthy, that you guys are keeping each other satisfied and happy because if not, in the day and age we live, it's not like they gotta go over a mountain to get something. It's very easily, very convenient, accessible. right mm-hmm. there, easily accessible, and so you need to keep them satisfied so that they aren't tempted by the enemy to partake of something else.
1: I think Bishop wants to weigh in on this. Uh, one of the things that too don't you know you know as you get older, physically,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, physical things happen, and and health and something and sometimes you're not able. Sure. Okay, some things come about, but then this scripture keeps coming to me that in, in, in the Song of Solomon uh, 7 and verse number 10, and I'm going to put it's got, a, it's got a, it says, His, I am my beloved's, and his, and we can put in there hers, either one, mm-hmm. either or. Desire is toward me. Right knowing that even though you have to abstain right now because of a happening of a physical thing, the desire, oh glory, is still there. Glory. Something we must do, churches, we must look at that desire. Is it still toward my beloved? Right. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, can I take this farther And bring it down to the church And even though I may not be able to worship like I used to. Right. My desire is toward my beloved. I've got the desire. Down in my heart, I'm worshiping. Down in my heart, I'm jumping and I'm running the aisles. Even though physically I cannot, my desire is there. Oh, Lord. Mm, I'm feeling Holy Ghost.
0: Amen. Amen. with all those reasons in mind, then don't use that aspect of a marriage to be like the punishment for the spouse, you know. That's right. The card you, well, if that, you know, we had whatever, so on and so forth, well, I'll just abstain from you for a while and we'll just yes, see, sir. buddy, how. Don't do that. That's right. Right. You're not solving a problem. You're creating a problem. You're creating a problem. Yes, you I guess them walking in is telling me my time's up <laughs> let me finish though let me finish today because I don't want to part B for something okay <laughs> I, I don't have much left and this will all be I'm, I'm not ignorant okay you got me you got me verse, verse number 3 verse number 3 tells us and I've already skipped scriptures here but back I'm back at the Song of Solomon now folks verse number 3 there of of chapter number one. She said, because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is an ointment poured out forth. She likes the way he smells. Evidently, she must have been close enough to him to smell him. And she said, thine ointments, olive oil on that day, custom time. Olive oil was just, people applied olive oil to their body daily. They was in the hot air desert. You know, there's going to be things that come, and it was kind of a barrier. It was kind of the base of all of their hygiene. And let me say this, men and women alike, and you say, Brother McGee, this goes without saying. I don't think so. Yeah. But uh, there's nothing as pleasant as just having good hygiene. Yeah. Good Seriously. Your breath smells good. Your body smells good. Okay. That goes without saying. No, it don't go without saying. I think not. I know from the encounters that I've had and I, no she didn't allow me to finish the sentence I'm just saying I know the encounters I've had with other people not even being this cl- that close that uh, tell you what put a cart in front of a horse any day and she's, listen now she's longing for him because of his due to his his name Remember in studies of times past, man, it's just not the letters of F-R-E-D.
1: Whoa,
0: No, it's because the name represented the sum total of the character and the reputation of the person. So she longs for him because of who all that he is, what all that name is represents the whole package if you will and the gifting of him and notice scripture even says therefore do the virgins love thee there's other girls that's out there that knows the goodness of your name the sum totality of who you are and what you represent I'm giving away homework tonight all right homework for married couples here's the homework um, my wife and I have done that, this, throughout the years. Sometimes whenever we had had an argument, we would close our argument with telling each other three things that we liked or loved about the other. But I want to get a little bit more detailed with homework. Homework is this. Uh, this week, tell your spouse three things you like or love about your spouse, but one of them must be at least character-oriented. All right? All right. So tell something you like or love about your spouse. Man, it could be uh, their hair, their nose, their fingers, and I'll leave the rest to you. Uh, But it it could be a physical attribute or at least something concerning character. Do that. Will you do that for me this week? Just take the time. I mean, just really, maybe it's before you go to bed. Just take the time, gaze into each other's eyes, and take a turn and say, Honey, I love you because of boom. I tell you what, that really makes a person feel pretty good. It really does. Will you stand with me today?
2: I think, too, one, if I can add one little thing, Mm -hmm. I think it always makes a difference, too, when you tell them. Because I know, like, you know, kind of a good example would be as a kid growing up and their parent bragging on them to other people about, you know, my kid, my kid, my kid, but they never took the time to tell them. You know, I'm so proud of you. You did a good job with this. Well, I think it kind of goes without saying in our marriage, too, that we can talk about to other people, you know, I have a great husband, or I'm so glad he did this, or, you know, he's always taking out the trash, or he's doing whatever. But if we never tell them, right, not it doesn't mean anything. we got to tell them. Yeah, not So I think that goes along with the homework. Make sure <laughs> the things that you appreciate, you're telling them.
0: Right, 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 right. Amen. Hope everybody's doing all right uh, here in Marriage Matters number five. We've not even got in knee deep yet. Oh, wow. Hallelujah! Where are we going? <laughs> if you want to read ahead, <laughs> if you want to read ahead, consider a song of Psalm chapter number four. If you want to read ahead, Amen. i have just—we uh, got to be real today, folks. I just got to be real. I can't just assume a bunch of stuff. Uh, and as I've already said, you, you heard me get on my soapbox uh, about society talking about it. So, and if we're silent, so let's talk about it. All right, let's pray today. God, we come before you. God, I thank you, Jesus, for this grouping of people. God, Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.